Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of the Super Movie Studies Podcast, a show about comic book movies approached from every angle, and a community of nerds discussing how fiction relates to non-fiction. I'm your comic culture host, Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro, James Gallerhoutsma, the scientific scholar, Ben Anderson, and returning special guest, Twitter Tom. Hey! He has returned. Back he has from returned. the Twitterverse. Ah! After 40 days and 40 nights. After 120 days and 120 nights. Oh, wow. 90. 90 days. 90 days. After 40 days of night. After 30 days of night. We did record and release 30 days of night. Uh, And he has come back ever since. Tom, when was the last time you were on the show? It was season one of Gotham, so beginning of August. Too long? Yeah. Too long? Way too long. We weren't even back in studio yet, no. We're back in studio, and I'm able to actually have two guests at the same time remote in and sound decent. You're sounding like, tell me, listeners, that Skylar's quality of voice is now fucking way better than it used to be. Guarantee it. My, my quality of person is just way better than it used to be. <laughs> Not ourselves here. The sacrifices we make for this, Michael. All right, blue text. Oh, Oh, blue text. Um, mm. SMSP is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week, we continue our journey exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movies differently, so we gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the movie. Whether it's money, comic books, music, science, or humanity, SMSP talks about it all in this week's episode. So you experimented on yourself, didn't you? And passed on to me. What? An alteration. Genetic. A deformity. I guess you could call it that. But an amazing strength, too. And now, finally unleashed, I can harvest it. No. You don't know such thing. I will isolate it and treat it myself. I'll remove it and I'll kill it before it does any real harm. Well, I bet you and your Betty would love to destroy it. But would you really destroy part of yourself? I don't think so. And as for Betty, I'm sending her a surprise visit from some four-legged friends of mine. You see, I've managed to culture some of your very own DNA, Bruce, and the results are tremendous. They're unstable, but very powerful. What about my DNA? Let's just wait and see what Betty makes of the results. No. My father's going after Betty. What makes you think you can go behind my back and get Ross to cut me out? Betty's in trouble! You pathetic freak. Betty's in danger, I swear to you, something I can state the obvious. Something tells me you aren't in much of a position to make stupid threats to anyone. Yeah, you make me angry. Oh, am I? Hulk. And yes, there will be spoilers. <laughs> Do we designate this one by year yet? Hulk 2003. No, because it's the only it's the uh, only film labeled Hulk. Right. It doesn't 
Would this movie right. be big, be better if it was called Hulk the movie? <laughs> yeah, actually. It would be better if it was just called Hulk 2003. Like, that's what they named the movie. <laughs> that's like, you'll you forever remember it during, like, the early 2000s, mid-2000s period of superhero films. It would be better if it didn't call itself Hulk at all because it fairly feels like a Hulk movie. All right, first opinions. Uh, Twitter Tom, you, re- you start. Uh, it's been too long. Okay, uh... This movie's, I mean, it's it's pretty bad. Uh, I mean, you say two words, mutant poodles, and <laughs> that turns everybody off. But, I mean, like, there's glimmers of what could have been a good movie in it, I would say. Um, but overall, it is just, I think it's very cheesy and very corny, especially when, like, Betty Ross says, you will only fuel his rage if you... If you keep attacking him, like, it's so bad. Um, Nick Nolte plays a great version of Nick Nolte (laughs) in this movie. Uh, (laughs) But, I mean, like, if you watch it, I mean, there's there's some good parts to it. But overall, it is just absolutely terrible, I think. But, yeah, it came out in 2003, so, like, comic book movies back then were way different than they are now. But... But yeah, overall, I was not very impressed with this movie. Popcorn Skyler. Okay, well, alluding to what I had mentioned earlier, Hulk 2003 isn't terrible for me. Its biggest flaw is just that it barely feels like a Hulk movie. I mean, yes, there is a guy who gets angry and green and smashes stuff, but that's like maybe an hour of the movie at most. Um, There are two just really unbalanced sides there. It's the Hulk side that they don't do all that well that they feel like they have to throw into to the movie. And then there's, you know, the Ang Lee material about, you know, a bad childhood, um, you know, repression, all that fun stuff. And that's kind of interesting, not super well done, but at least it's a jumping off point. And it's just when you have to, put those two together in the same movie that you just get this really kind of overlong, awkward, serious yet cheesy movie that doesn't really work on the whole popcorn bed. I watched this movie at 125% speed. <laughs> so nice. it, it was about a half hour shorter than it, than the original running time would have been. And I think it made it a lot better, but it was still hot garbage. Popcorn oh. Michael. Wow. Oh, that was just passing it <laughs> off. All right. I'll take the baton. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's been so long since I've seen Hulk 2003, honestly. It's been a few years. And then, I mean, I only caught it really on cable before then. And, when I, and I was paying attention then, and I wasn't really paying attention this time either. Because there's just so many long moments that are so boringly long just too far and what's such a shame is like eric banna can put on a good performance i don't think he put on a good performance in this one josh lucas is like oh do you want your movie to be cheesy okay you've got josh lucas and uh jennifer Connolly. i am always stunned like i'm always surprised by how absolutely like gorgeous she comes off on screen every time she shows up in a film and I, I, I forgot how many lines Sam Elliott had in this film as well. <laughs> totally forgot. <laughs> I liked I liked the Ang Lee parts. In all honesty, um, I didn't like 
the Hulk parts. I like it, it's such a reversal from when I was a kid too, because I lived for those Hulk parts. But like the the weird transitions where it was like trying to make it look like a comic book panel. I was like, if this was kind of like a cheesier film, like if they were really going for that, that would have come off way better. But it, because it had such serious background tones, and even that I liked a lot of just like exploring the source of the Hulk and Bruce's rage. Uh, it's just like it's all from repression, barely from the Gamma Bomb. Like the Gamma Bomb was such a little moment in the film compared to how much it explores bruce's relationship with his father and what it just get it got towards the end it got way too freaking metaphysical and convoluted to the point where you can't even keep up when you said that you saw this on cable tv halloween weekend i happened to see this on tv and it was the fight with the mutant dogs (laughs) and my wife and i were just like what is this (laughs) like because i've seen this movie before but I don't remember that scene at all. And I was like, this is a Hulk movie? Like, when when was this made? Mm-hmm. It looks so <laughs> terrible and bad. Yeah. And then it goes on for like 20 minutes and there's not a single line of dialogue. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this is so bizarre. The dialogue moments are so boring. They're oh. so boring. This, they get this is what happens when you try and make an art house superhero movie and it just fails it, it, because it, you take the least art house character ever yeah this dude his, his staple mark is that he breaks things and smashes them and like that's art what people do starting a nine foot green monster i suppose it's like it's trying to get to that frankenstein jekyll hyde uh it, like really basis behind hulk but like that's not what made hulk i guess uh famous in the limelights because like when you're a little kid hulk was the coolest because he was the strongest guy. He got big, green, and smashed things, and he was more powerful than all the other heroes. Not for his real metaphysical complex. Um, and I, but at the same time, you can't really rag on a person for like trying to explore that aspect, uh, that really rich and deep aspect of the character. As you said earlier, I think the Ang Lee parts, basically, you know, the scenes between Eric Bana and Nick Nolte are the things that work best in this movie. It's a shame that the things that work best are still boring as yeah, hell. They're still boring as hell, honestly. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. Uh, Except for that last one where Nick Nolte just loses it. That fight scene, yeah, that was so weird. Um, I like how Hulk's first fight is with lab equipment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The scientist's dilemma. Let's get to the money part. All right. Uh, production budget, $137 million. Holy 2003, Batman. Uh, what's that bringing in, buddy? That's bringing in about $132.2 million. Close. No cigar. Foreign gross would be $113.2 million for a grand total of $245.4 million. Uh, it had a pretty high opening weekend. That was about $62 million. And it had an even higher drop in its second weekend about uh, – well, I'll get to that later because I know Tom has some stuff on that. Um, it ended up making pretty much the exact same as the uh, 2008 Incredible Hulk film, which I I don't think is you know so much a knock on this movie as it is the other one when they tried to fix it. Um, it definitely had the biggest budget of 2003 superhero movies, but it came in well behind X-Men 2 in uh, what it brought in so uh not 
the most shining example of what you want for your film. You know what? When the this opening weekend, maybe not opening weekend, but pretty close, my family was like, let's go to a movie. Back when families used to go to movies. Uh, <laughs> Back when we all had families. <laughs> and it was a family vote between Hulk and Bruce Almighty. Um I was the only person in the family to vote vote Hulk, obviously. And you know what? I'm glad my family went with Bruce Almighty. Like they would have probably hated me if we eventually had like had acquiesced to my decision. Um, <laughs> so better choice. So it, you were glad you were wrong. I was glad I was wrong. Hulk 2003 is better than Bruce Almighty. That's the conclusion we've come to. No, it's not. No, other way around. Bruce Almighty is there you better go. than Hulk 2004. Dear God. Okay, there we go. I'm, I've had when When this came out, beers. was it, like, did the critics review it bad? Like, I think it's got, yeah, it, like. In middle ground. It's got, tank. It middled. It's got, like, a 62. Come on, now. Well, it? this was considered a bomb, money-wise, but then, like, The Incredible Hulk came out. And it did the same money, but I think they consider that like a moderate success. This does not consider Much lower expectations. I, I'm just curious if, like, when the critics came out, when this came out, if it was totally blasted or if it if it actually got good reviews. All right, let's explain the context. Hulk 2003 is coming hot off the heels of one of the biggest back-to-back superhero uh, break-out-of-the-gate films, which was X-Men and Spider-Man, which really broke ground for allowing us to have a lot of superhero superheroes on film. This film tried to really replicate that Spider-Man vibe a lot, but Ang Lee dug into it. The studio wanted... I, you can tell that the studio, especially with that opening sequence, wanted a Spider-Man vibe, all right? And they got an Ang Lee Hulk. Now, this was not considered a bomb because it still, like, made its money. It's fine. Uh, It didn't make Spider-Man money or X-Men money, so therefore expectations were, like, way too high for it. But in terms of critic reviews, like, Rod, Rod, oh gosh, what's the famous one? Roger Ebert. Roger Roger Ebert. Ebert. He gave it a four out of five, right? He gives, he he grades out of five or four. He gave it three out of four, four out of five, one of the two. Um, Yeah. And it's got like a six, it middled on Rotten Tomatoes at sixty two percent. I don't even know if Rotten Tomatoes was out at the time. Uh, I don't even know how old that website is. But so uh, that's two thousand one, I think. Okay, so that's what we're looking at here because it was just like there's a, so many positive traits that were attempted that you really can't attack, but so many things were also poorly executed to a point that it's just like ah, oh, these ideas are so great, but these methods were just not good enough to hold up to these lofty ideas. Yeah. yeah? Is that so enough? Basically what we're kind of getting at is, you know, good try didn't really work out in the end. Yeah. You won't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job, but we're not oh. going to have you back. <laughs> How have I never heard that? Okay, uh, oh. comic book section. We've spent 20 minutes before getting to, like, the first section. Uh General Ross is the first comic book character of the night. Incredible Hulk number one, 1962, Stanley and Jack Kirby. Uh, General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross is in charge of the Gamma Bomb project that Bruce Banner was also working on before a massive explosion led to a massive exposure of gamma radiation and transformed him into the Hulk. While on the project, Ross's daughter Betty took a liking to Bruce, and this really rubbed Thaddeus the wrong way, that his perfect daughter 
would be affected would be attracted to such a weakly nerd like Bruce and not a strong military man like Glenn Talbot. So it it rubbed him the wrong way that Betty rubbed Bruce the right way. Oh god, dang it. Oh. Since the creation of the Hulk, Ross vowed beyond life and limb to hunt down the monster and either use him for military exploits or destroy him completely. Eventually, just destroy him completely. This obsession consumes Ross to the point of committing treason on the USA by teaming up with various villains such as, like, the leader and Zax to fight Hulk uh, in order to bring down that jolly green giant. In a moment of intense clarity, being drunk at his daughter's wedding... Ross witnesses the Hulk's capacity for heroism, and he sacrifices himself to save Betty, uh, giving uh, Betty and Bruce's relationship his blessing in his dying breath. Later, he would come back and, you know, Vendetta revived, as well as he would transform into a Red Hulk. So I guess, ironic? Very. (laughs) Next character, Betty Ross. Same as above, Incredible Hulk number one, 1962, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby. Betty has had a hard life. Holy cow. You know, I've done this before where I list off some terrible things that comic book characters have gone through. Betty Ross has got to be in the top four, I think. Dead mother, distant and disapproving father, finally falls for a guy that likes her back, and within the same day of meeting him, he transforms into a rage beast that her father vows to kill. Now she hangs around her dad all the time, making sure that in his quest to kill Hulk, he doesn't end up killing Bruce, too. Subject to many kidnappings... Even a gamma-induced psychotic supervillain episode is pregnant with Bruce's child only to suffer a miscarriage due to severe nightmares brought on by literally nightmare demons, develops and dies from cancer because she's been around Hulk too much, turns out that was a supervillain plot, and surprise, she's not dead. That nightmare demon comes back and rapes her in her dreams to conceive another demon, his child, returns brainwashed as the red she-hulk stabbed by bruce's son from another mother triggers a re-emergence of bruce's hulk persona after it had been cured but this new hulk persona labeled doc green is a megalomaniac that vows to depower all gamma powered humans starting with betty so while she is now cured of her gamma radiation and insanity she is living with the guilt that she created another monster. What the fuck? Yeah, right? Poor Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> so uh, we have not seen that side of Betty Ross in, I don't think, any iteration of that character at nope. all. This is the first time I'm hearing of it. All we see is Betty Ross, female love interest, character that can soothe the Hulk. <laughs> and Liv Tyler, uh, are you going to show back up in the Marvel Universe, or are we too gung-ho on keeping Scarlett Johansson and Hulk and Mark Ruffalo a thing. I'm it would be too good a thing. So, yeah, and the weird hypno thing where like she pets the inside of his palm and he calms down. Fuck that. <laughs> All right, final character of the night, Brian. Uh, in this movie, David Banner, but originally Brian Banner, premiered in, in the Incredible Hulk number two hundred and sixty-seven. 1982, Bill Mantlo and Sal Buscema. Brian was born into an abusive father, ironically named Bruce, his dad, so he named his son after his abusive father. Uh, Due to his severe abuse, he believed that there was a monster gene inside of him and vowed to never have children for fear of passing it on. And we kind of saw that in the film. Um, As an adult, Brian 
marries Rebecca and works on a military base in New Mexico researching how to develop clean nuclear energy. The stress of his job causes him to develop alcoholism, and while sloshed, uh, while sloshed at work, he overloads some lab equipment. As a result of the explosion, Brian becomes convinced it affected him on a genetic level, despite evidence to the contrary. Also, despite his vow, he impregnates Rebecca, bringing Bruce into the world. Once uh, Brian discovers Bruce is a prodigy, this only adds to his paranoia and as evidence that the monster gene has been passed on, so he becomes severely abusive towards his wife and son. Wow, the cycle continues. When Rebecca tries to escape their home with Bruce, Brian intercepts her and smashes her head on the pavement in front of a four-year-old baby Bruce. Brian returns 15 15 years later after his jail sentence and is released into the custody of Bruce. Tensions rise, and in a final confrontation at the site of Rebecca's grave, Bruce kills Brian and represses the memory for years, convincing himself that some muggers did it later after the fight. What a happy story. Yeah, Hulk has been through some shit, okay? And, like, that's not even half of the Brian Banner stuff, okay? It gets way weirder after that. And I'm not even going to talk about it because it's just too confusing, really. Because there's a point where he comes back as a different Hulk, but not really. And he's, there's, there's a lot of, like, psychological characters, like these, these nightmare demons, literally called Nightmare and, like, Despair. Yeah, Despair um, that attack Hulk and just not fun. All right, because you can't, because you can't like like make it a punching match because it gets boring after a while. You have to make them fight them at a psychological level or spiritual. Gee, I can't wait for the uh, Mark Ruffalo Hulk to go through all these trials. <laughs> Please, they're going to do World War Hulk and be done with it. All right, yep. that's enough of comic books. Let's get to music. Talk to me. Music. Uh, music for Hulk is done by Danny Elfman. We've talked about him several times before on the show. Um. Fun fact, this soundtrack isn't available in uh, its uh, track-only version. You have to buy the whole thing, which makes it kind of hard to track things down on... uh, Track pun. Track pun. (laughs) (laughs) I hardly know her. That's still a thing. Uh, You can kind of tell this... You can kind of tell this soundtrack was in pretty close... In between two Spider-Man movies, because if you listen closely to enough of the themes, you'll hear some echoes of the Spider-Man music world that seem a little too much of a coincidence. Let's take a listen to the main theme. that not the spider-man opening theme <laughs> tell me that <laughs> you wouldn't be faulted for mistaking it for that um you're talking about how they wanted us an opening sequence that was reminiscent that's pretty darn reminiscent mm-hmm. although uh, a lot more melancholy i will say and you know 
it just doesn't feel like a Hulk theme, I guess. Um, like the music of the Incredible Hulk, which we have held up on a tiny little altar, because that shit is <laughs> baller. Uh, it's just so much more in into the zone, right? Like this is just like this focuses this is like more on sci-fi fantasy. Uh, drama more than anything like if you took the hulk the fact there's a big green monster that smashes things out of the picture and this is just a story about a dude who's got daddy issues and maybe there's some bigger MacGuffin that drives because right now it feels like the hulk is the MacGuffin. (laughs) he he's not the show he drives the plot and it's just like that's kind of like that's the title character you can't like put him on the back burner of the message i guess you can but you have to do it better than that (laughs) It's funny how you can interpret these things just by listening to the music of it, too. And that's why I do what I do. The other track I was able to dig up for this was um, a suite someone had put together. Uh, I believe the piece of music I pulled up is from when they're transporting Banner out to the desert station. And it reminds me that this movie came out in the early 2000s because it uses a lot of that... uh, wailing woman sound that uh, gladiator made popular and oh. then you'd hear again for movies like munich mm-hmm. ironically also starring eric banna um and it's like you know this isn't really a hulk thing but it is a very early 2000s thing and a very like indie drama thing so without further ado I can tell you one thing. That didn't sound like Danny Elfman music. No, it sure didn't. Um, I don't think I've ever heard anything quite like that of his since. <laughs> but um, hey, at least she did something crazy cool and new for this movie, I guess. The music, yeah. I guess in overall, the music of of Hulk is just it's too much a product of its time of its context it really isn't bringing anything fresh to the table not really it's like Ang Lee or one of the producers or someone was just like yeah let's do uh let's just do drama fuck comic book movies just just drama <laughs> dude Avi Arad like, was okay. involved in this film so yes oh was he part of this movie yeah he's a producer Oh. Avi Arad had his name no on wonder. every single Marvel property from like 2000 to 2010. No wonder it was so garbage. Oh, come on. <laughs> They're not all bad. Avi Arad was involved in Spider-Man 2. He just, you know, he sometimes it's yeah, it's not a it's, <laughs> it's not a definitive. Level, yeah. It's the level of involvement. So, presumably he had no involvement in Spider-Man 2, which is why <laughs> it was so good. 
Oh, he probably and did. All the involvement in Spider Man Three. It just worked for yeah. Spider Man Two because Spider Man Two was able to embrace the cheesy in a fun Sam Raimi <laughs> way. Side note: Avi Arad is a producer on the upcoming Ghost in a Shell movie. Good for him. I guess. I'm sorry if that ruins anything. Does that sell toys? Anticipation for that. <laughs> It, it must. I mean, why else would he be involved in it? He doesn't make movies. I get. Well, I mean, at this point, he kind of does. Uh, all right. Any more music uh, commentary? No, but I can go on about Avi Arad for a, a long time. So I'm sure you I better could. just transition over. <laughs> all right. Science. Science. <laughs> there he is. There's the Ben. Here I am. And you know what? Ironically, Ben, what? we were talking about this earlier off uh, off mic, but half of this movie is spent in a lab. Yet there is not really a good discernible topic to breach on. Not really. I can I can talk about that thing they do with the frog right at the beginning. Where they expose him to a lot of gamma radiation. And, and then and then he explodes. Yeah, we talked about gamma and the Incredible Hulk. Right. But like that's not how gamma works. No. Talk Ga- to me. Gam- gamma radiation, and we talked about this, is just another kind. It's like a more powerful X-ray. Yes. Basically. Even I stepped in because I actually am familiar with ionization. Yeah, of like I actually understand ionization of like it's pushing electrons. It's yeah, it's, it's into you like exciting all of your electrons, and then they have to shoot other electrons out of it, and it degrades yep. the atoms. So that's yeah. why like you get organ failure is because things are literally just because degrading. Ele- yeah, because the electrons fly apart, and they're like, oh, we got to bond to something, and then they do it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then that's that's why you get sunburn because mm-hmm. the ultraviolet light hits the hits your cells and then they're like oh we got all these electrons we got to repair that damage i mean can you i suppose i could have talked about this in the comic book section uh the ryan banner is trying to emulate the villain the absorbing man all right um and i didn't talk about this at all because he's not really the absorbing man as well as it's just sort of a piss-poor attempt just to merge the two characters together in a confusing mishmash. And I'd rather wait for an actual moment to talk about Crusher Creel. And, 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 but, but, but can you talk to me at all about what the fuck is going on at the end of that film? No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Where he's like, give me all your power. He's like, you want it all? Take it all! And then he starts Take screaming. And then, and then, yeah, thank you, Tom. Very uh, rich enactment. And, and it, it turns into a mushroom cloud of water that is composed of bad memories. So scientific basis beyond that. Sorry. There's, like, there's nothing. I, got no, I saw that scene and I was like, what? <laughs> uh, and we've talked about dreams being signs oh, like being premonitions and how that's kind of bs as well yeah uh from Don't a, let your dreams be dreams <laughs> uh i mean so let's let's talk about tanks no let's talk helicopters about, i got a good thing with the frog though oh go with the frog i okay, thought you already so covered at it. the very beginning of the frog of the frog <laughs> at the very beginning of the movie they blow up a frog in a microwave and they're like well we blew up a frog shit and well, if if you throw a frog in the microwave, um, microwaves work by exciting water at molecules, so they mm-hmm. make them vibrate, and then the vibration causes friction, and the friction heats it up. And if you, you know, you can boil water in a microwave, so you can boil a frog in a microwave. That's a scary. Please thought. don't do that. Don't do this to frogs. No, yeah. Um, if, but 
that's not the coolest thing you can do with a frog in a physics laboratory. Oh, damn. So there's one type of magnetism called diamagnetism. Um, and basically, it means if you apply a magnetic field to something that is diamagnetic, you apply a magnetic field to it, it'll create its own magnetic field in the opposite direction. Ooh. So it turns out that frogs are diamagnetic. What? And so if you are in a laboratory and you can create a powerful magnetic field, you put a frog in there, the frog, because it's diamagnetic, its magnetic field will go in the opposite direction and it'll levitate. That is awesome. That sounds a lot more harmless. And that's cool. It traumatizes the frog, but frogs are dumb and they'll forget in 30 (laughs) seconds. Worth it. So, like, start flailing around, like, holy fuck, I'm flying. Yeah, basically. Like, have you ever seen a video of a cat in zero gravity? Yeah, it just starts spinning. (laughs) Like, they're like, oh, fuck. (laughs) And and, and frogs, like, they're way dumber. So they'll just be like, oh. (laughs) I. Shit. But um, yeah, there, you can you know you're at like a cool university if they let you levitate a frog. <laughs> you know you're at a for cool your one. physics class. <laughs> Come to Berkeley. We're the cool dads of universities. See, see, Luther is a lame school <laughs> because it's in Decorah, Iowa. In De- example, because a. a it's in Iowa. B, what I told like when our like. When me and my classmates asked our physics professor about this video, they were like, that's cruel. <laughs> well, also, uh, your undergrad was in <laughs> science and mathematics. Physics. And- I double majored in physics and math. Yes, uh, I'm aware. And But you went to a music school. It is mostly known as a music school. That is correct. Yeah, okay. And I did music there, so I had some clout. Uh, okay, all right. You didn't get bullied. Mm-hmm. No. You were part I, of the cool gang. I, mm, I wouldn't say I was cool. <laughs> Nobody's cool in college. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Everybody thinks they're the worst person ever. Oh. Wow, this got real. Okay. So, uh, um, <laughs> long story short, wow, this movie sucked because they could have levitated a frog instead. They just blew one up, and that's cruel. Yeah. Did what? I wonder, was there a message at the end of the credits saying no frogs were harmed in the making of this film? I didn't stick around. I bet there is. Well, they'd, ha- they'd have to do the same for dogs and starfish. They oh, they mess up starfish? Oh, yeah. He cuts the arm off a of starfish. They fucking... Oh, yeah. Although, yeah. starfish do regenerate their limbs. Oh, they're cool. So that's pretty neat. What's that? Uh, no Nick Nolte's were harmed in the making of this movie. <laughs> I think all Nick Nolte... Uh, Nick Nolte harmed himself. Harmed himself. Um, <laughs> say... With that fucking... Except you got a DUI while making this movie. <laughs> Sky- you got drug charges on it. Real quick, Skyler, say you wouldn't like me yeah. when I'm angry as Nick Nolte. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. That's, that's You wouldn't like me Pretty when good. I'm angry. I can't do it. I'm trying to get to that like you real. Like me when I'm angry. There you go. That's better. Nick Nolte voice. That's like kind of like a like a like a like a like a robot. You sound like you have a. It's robot like trachea talker. Talk right before you threw up. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Nick Nolte talks all the time. All right. Uh, now we're back to Tom. 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 Hey, guys. He has a segment. Hi. What are you guys doing here? <laughs> we're, making, we're making voices like Nick Nolte. Who the hell invited you guys? Uh, fun facts. Do it. <laughs> um... 
All right, first one I got was Edward Norton was approached to play Bruce Banner, but he turned it down um, because he didn't like the script. Oh, good for him. But he apparently liked the Incredible Hulk script better. Well, actually, uh, and Eric Bana was was on the short list to be Ghost Rider at the same time, too. And then they chose Nick oh, Cage. Thank God, because that was a great choice. <laughs> Best film uh, ever. Best two films ever. <laughs> Best two fucking films ever. Eric Bana was signed on to make three of these films, by the way. Wow. Uh, next one I got uh, actually goes back to Nick Nolte. <laughs> Everyone remembers his infamous uh, mug shot where his hair was all crazed out. Crazy pants. Yeah, and it actually he got drunk driving charges while he was making this movie. I always thought it was a reverse. Like, he got this part in this movie because of that picture. <laughs> But uh, so I thought that was funny. Um, And back to what Skyler was saying about money, uh, this film, I I don't know if this is still true, but uh, this film holds the record for the largest second weekend box office drop for a film that opened at number one with a 69.7% drop in its second weekend. Oh, that's brutal. That's... That means it went from 62 million first weekend to 18.6 in its second. Also, yeah. Nick Nick Nolte looks like he's been smoking meth for three years. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact. Look up Nick Nolte. Sexiest man of the year. Looks like Robert Redford. He was. He was. Uh, he was deemed. Well, who's the magazine that does that? People's people people's ma- people magazine sexiest man alive sexiest man alive he I don't does, even what year was that he does look a lot like me he <laughs> he looks a lot like you sexiest man alive oh okay yeah. <laughs> oh no he doesn't in 1991 he looked a lot like Robert Redford in 1991 <laughs> that's basically the same year that Cape Fear came out oh yeah Cape Fear <laughs> while well, he was doing Cape well, Fear Cape Fear Cape Fear ha. And then she gets run over by the car. Go watch Rick and Morty, people. Yeah. <laughs> On Cape Fear real quick. I won't lie. I was very drunk the night I watched Cape Fear. I was alone. That movie scared the shit out of me. I never thought I could be so terrified. I was like, I got one of them like, no, I was, I got one of them really like drunk, scared moments. Like just like you're irrationally terrified of things that do not make sense. And while I'm watching that movie, I'm like almost passing out and (laughs) scared because like that final scene is, has a lot of things going on. I was going to say, was it the part where Robert De Niro shows up in a wig and strangles that guy with piano wire? That's one of them. Was that it? One of them. Definitely the fairy, though. Uh, Tom, next fact. That's fucked up. Uh, Next fun fact. The amount of CGI... Oh, yeah, this one's awesome. (laughs) The amount of CGI involved in the Hulk's battle against the three mutant dogs was one of the hardest, most complicated scenes that Industrial Light Magic had ever done. Mind you, this was in 2003. Actually, the whole mutant dog fight was only one third. It was only one third of what they had originally planned. So, like that ten minute mutant poodle fight could have went on for half hour. And that they didn't been, film it all because it was too expensive. That would have been literally <laughs> like a third of the movie. Yeah, that was already could, way too long. But I picture like Angley, like no, we have to have this mutant poodle fight. Like we have to get this in. If anything gets cut, it, it can't be this mutant poodle fight. This is the whole basis for the whole movie. It's the heart of the fucking film. Hulk <laughs> needs to beat up dogs. It is the only part 
I could not tear my eyes away from <laughs> because it was whole, so bizarre. Has to be naked when it's over. The Hulk has to be naked when it's over. Oh, I forgot. I'm telling you. <laughs> God, it was so fucking dumb. Uh, <laughs> it's just like it's just so mad about this. Were you like? I am. <laughs> it pisses me off because, like, even if you take that movie, take off the mutant poodle fight, like. It goes from terrible to, like, kind of mediocre. Because, like, all those dudes spent all that time to render and animate those mutant poodles for the whole to fight. And it's like, they'll, it just piss. It just pisses. My OCD cannot handle it. Uh, hey, you guys, some of us have repressed anger over, like, parental issues. And some of us have repressed anger over, like, mutant poodle fights that just suck balls. So, here here, we go. Here's what happened. Nick Nolte watched that mutant poodle fight, got hammered, and then got drunk driving after he left the set because he was so pissed off. They they should have cut the other two thirds of that poodle fight. <laughs> just like that, the money they budgeted for that, just spend it on making a good script. They should have just made a thirty minute film of uh, a poodle fight with Hulk and just sent that out and cut out the other hour and forty five minutes. Kids would have loved it. Mm. <laughs> All right, uh, the last one I got was um, actually Ang Lee did all the motion capture for the Hulk. Did it look like Ang Lee? We hadn't got to a point where, like, mocap was on your face yet. So, I mean, I just thought it was interesting. They're like, sorry, Banna, we'd rather have this obscure Asian dude do the Obscure Asian dude? That's offensive, Tom. That's not offensive. He's an Academy Award-winning director. No. No, no. In 2003, who was Ang Lee? All he had was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) So that other movie that won a bunch of Oscars. Yeah, really? That was almost Picture of the Year. (laughs) Have you ever seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Rabbit? It's it's dumb. I've seen it. I liked it a lot. Fuck you, Tom. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's it for today on Superhero Movie Club, guys. Follow that's not even what we're called anymore, you dumb. God damn it. <laughs> also, we got we to gotta, we gotta do the drinking game. Drinking game rules. Fine, let's get to the point. We're already angry enough with each other that we just need to add alcohol. I'm not angry with anybody. <laughs> I'm angry at the mutant poodles. I'm perfectly fine. Yeah, I'm okay. you're... angry at the mutant poodles. All right. Michael, you're the only one angry at that's anyone That's true. Every time there's rampant animal abuse... All right, that um, that makes me mad. Take a drink, the frog. Even yeah. though frogs aren't animals because they don't have a brain. No, they do. <laughs> ah, hold on, scientists. Just, you can't just say shit like that. <laughs> they're just stupid. <laughs> Fact checking. <laughs> just. Oh no! Oh every... man! Drink every time there's a weird comic panel shot. No. The middle of this movie is going to get interesting. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, drink after Nick Nolte does that weird kick scream thing after banner tells him to go really loud do you guys know what i'm talking about when i say that (laughs) (laughs) i was pretty on point (laughs) that was a good amount of gurgle (laughs) nailed the nick nolte gurgle i can just see the the police radio uh we have a clearly intoxicated man in a vehicle going (laughs) what was the point of that final confrontation by the way like they had Banner chained up in an open area and then they sicked his dad on him? What were they trying to achieve? I think they were kind of trying to fry them both. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. 
Why wouldn't you just fry them one at a time? What's the point of this movie? <laughs> What's that's the, the point the, of life? That's the bigger question. That's uh, when you should finish the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> when you have no idea what's going on. Although, if you drink every time the CGI, CGI looks fake and dumb, you'll have finished the bottle way quicker. Way before that. <laughs> we we ultimately suggest at least two bottles on the on standby. So. <laughs> Drink responsibly, children. No drinking under 21. Thank you. It's been a while since I gave mm-hmm. that out. Uh, I was going to say, take a shot when you see the frog and you're like, I wish they would have levitated him instead of exploding him. Right? Yeah. Drink yeah. until you feel like you're floating. <laughs> That's really early in the film. <laughs> I know. Not the best. Not the best idea. Okay. Oh Let's just end it on that poor parenting advice. Uh, looks like that will wrap it up today, super fans. Super Movie Studies is recorded and produced by Triop Cop Productions. Wow, I should change that because that's no longer like a viable thing. Yeah, not really. But what is viable is you can still subscribe to us on our iTunes page. Um, new episodes come out every single Monday. And if you like what you hear, please do give us a rating, give us a review, and we'll shout you out on the show. Tell, uh, tell, your, tell your mothers, tell your fathers to tell, just write a review. Tell your grandmothers. Tell your grandchildren. And your aunts. And your poodles. And your grand-aunts. And your frogs. And your great-grand-aunts. And y- y- your... Renegades. Very good. Very good. All right. And as always, uh, keep up to date with us on Twitter. Twitter Tom is here, so I can heap praise upon him once again. Um, at Super M Studies. Uh, let us know what superhero aspect uh, gives you repressed rage. <laughs> Okay. And it can't be Nick Nolte's mugshot because that just only brings joy and happiness. <laughs> it is really fun. Shout, shout out to uh, Matt Baker for uh, replying to our Twitter challenge of the week last week. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, oh. Matt Baker's going to lose get? What his we get? shit for that. We, our, our Twitter challenge is who would be the fifth turtle in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and what, or who would voice him and what would the, the Renaissance name be? And Matt Baker said Bellini, voiced by Ray Romano, or John Benjamin. I'm not sure who John Benjamin is. H. John Benjamin? Oh, Archer. Archer. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I like Ray Romano a bit better, though. I just think he'd be so freaking weird in a turtle film. He would voice Caravaggio. Caravaggio? I think so. Yeah. (laughs) I'm Caravaggio. That's a a Renaissance (laughs) painter, right? Oh, fuck. Yeah, he definitely is. (laughs) I'm Caravaggio. (laughs) That's so good. That's perfect. (laughs) I'm thinking he got some inspiration from having a, what's his face, voice Krang. Uh, Brad Garrett. uh, Brad Garrett. Uh, Brad Garrett. There we go. All right. The Twitter challenge this week, let's, let's, let's clarify what Skyler said earlier. A moment in a superhero film that literally fills you with rage. A moment. Hashtag. You won't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> hashtag. You won't Good. like me when I'm angry. If you can even fit a tweet after that hashtag, you know what? You win. Fucking <laughs> 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 hate that. Hashtags are supposed to be short, you dummy. <laughs> you know what? I'm a big fan of the long hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> There's a joke there. Uh, put put the hashtag in the reply to your own tweet. Uh, next week's show. Doctor Strange? Yeah, all right. Doctor Strange. When are yeah, we let's doing, do that. When are we doing yeah. Bionicle, The Mask of Light? Uh, soon. Okay, good. Ish. Maybe. 
good. Good. Maybe I'll replace its lineup with uh, where I put Peanuts the movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Please replace Peanuts the movie with anything. <laughs> I literally didn't put that in the schedule, gang. So um, <laughs> uh, that'll do it today. I'm your host, Michael Bauer. James Gallagher, Ben Anderson. And Twitter time. Hope you all have a not so angry, but super. Super. Weak. Fuck mutant poodles. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> don't. Don't do that. <laughs> you don't Show know what love. you'll bring. Show them love. They're they're and they're they. Yeah. Did the Hulk ever try and like give him a hug or something? Maybe they it just, just wanted to get pets. Pet. Yeah. It had exactly. some anxiety. Exactly. Mutant poodles' life matter. All right. Fine. <laughs> Bye.